People of the world, it's the Brothers Talk with your hosts, Rod, Scott, and Norm, inviting you to join us each Friday wherever you listen to your favorite podcast or on our website to hear our take as three black, unfiltered African-American men with no strings attached, giving voice to the most feared, most misunderstood, and most rarely heard from segment of the population on topics of interest to us for education, enlightenment, and entertainment. You can follow us on Facebook. You can reach us with your comments, questions, suggestions at The Brothers Talk on Twitter, The Brothers Talk on Instagram, and you can email us, thebrotherstalk at gmail.com. And stay tuned for our long-awaited YouTube channel. And now on with this week's episode. Happy New Year, Brothers Talk family around the world. As we once again greet you, wherever you're listening in, in the car, the gym, the den, kitchen, barber, a beauty shop, in the backyard, on the corner, or wherever you engage your relevant conversations to spur critical thinking and activism to support the Black community. Welcome, 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 first-time listeners, and we're glad you've joined us to carry on the dual mission of sharing enlightened conversations and promoting new and Black business opportunities to empower and enrich our community. We've been blessed to be back with you for another year here in 2023. Well, people, for everything else that's changed for us, one thing has remained maddeningly constant, and that's the crazy that still seems to surround COVID-19. Therefore, we're keeping up the fight against the ignorance and insanity that continues almost unabated and in spite of the logic that says the same people who are spreading all the rumors, like I even had a friend who suggests that the vaccine might have played a role in the Buffalo Bills player DeMar Hamlin's heart attack, the same people, when they get sick, will want that same science. You can't make this stuff up, but I quickly shut him down by asking him two simple questions. One, did he know Hamlin's vaccination status? No. And two, how many times have we seen this unfortunate event play out since we first experienced the tragedy of Hank Gathers and Reggie Lewis? It's a far too frequent occurrence that we've seen happen in young, otherwise healthy athletes that might have more to do with the effects of the steroids in the food chain on their hearts. So here we are pleading and warning people about this latest variant XBBB.1.5 that's so infectious it's been nicknamed the Kraken, as in the monster from the old Clash of the Titans movie. In about a month's time, it's become the most prevalent strain as it's actually a combination of two previous mutations. The virus keeps getting smarter because we keep getting dumber and giving it every opportunity to stick around. Please ignore the rumors and stick to the science, people, because, you know, once you come down with this virus, you're going to be looking at that same science for your healing. Get vaccinated and wear your mask. We can and we must do better. It's the first show of 2023, and Norm is otherwise engaged this week, so it's just the two of us carrying on the battle for critical thinking this week, Scott. Thanks, Rod. And uh, you gave him a mouthful, and I, 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 I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you said. And in reference to the coronavirus, uh, I'm finally almost back, not quite 100%, I would say about 90% uh, recovering from the virus. So I'm talking from experience. I'm a person who is diligent about wearing the mask every time I leave the house. Everywhere I go, anytime I'm around people, and I still got the virus. I'm vaccinated, I'm boosted, all of those things, and I got the virus. What that say to me is, uh, is that the virus is more potent and more 
uh, dangerous and more prevalent than we actually realize. I read an article the other day, actually yesterday, about China, that so many people are dying from China, in China from the virus, that they can't keep up with cremation. They're stacking bodies. They, they don't even have room to freeze bodies anymore. That's how many people are dying from the virus. And what China has done, they've dropped all of their safeguards, all of the lockdown, and they're allowing people to freely travel around the world now, even though they're experiencing this resurgence in the virus. And so what I can say is, first of all, family, welcome to uh, 2023. We are looking forward to your continued support. We appreciate all the support that you've given us uh, over, over the course of a couple of years. And go out, get vaccinated if you're not. But more importantly, Fauci said, Dr. Fauci said, if we all wear a mask, we could get rid of this thing in 30 days. I'm not understanding why people are so reluctant to do something that's going to save lives and not jeopardize people's health. We are on to our topics for 2023. And Scott, you raised the good one about this situation we're watching with the vote for the Speaker of the House. As of this recording, there is not a new Speaker of the House because the Republicans who now have the majority cannot agree that they want to support Kevin McCarthy, who is certainly not anybody's example of a moderate or even a middle-of-the-road conservative, but we've got a wing of that party so far to the extreme right that they're refusing to to elect him. And so you had some good points about what you thought about what's going on with that. You know, we, um, Rod, as we were talking about what's happening now in Congress about, about them not being able to uh, pick a leader, I'm looking at this from a different perspective. I've been looking at this those 20 people where everybody's bashing on the media in the media about them, the demands that they're making. They don't want to support uh, Kevin McCarthy, but they're exercising their rights. You know, everybody has a vote. These people voted against Kevin McCarthy. That's their right. But nobody's saying Kevin McCarthy, wait a minute. You know, we've had 11 votes and People vote again. You don't. You hadn't reached a threshold of 218. Follow the rules. For some reason, there are some people, especially in the Republican Party, when they lose a race or an election or whatever, they don't want to give in. They don't want to uh, say, oh, okay, I, I ran a good race or whatever. They don't want to concede. So this is the same thing with Kevin McCarthy. You didn't get 218 votes. That means you're law, you lost. That means they don't want you to be the speaker. Why aren't people saying to Kevin McCarthy, hey, man, follow the rules. You, you're doing damage to the, to the institution. You're putting the country in jeopardy. You're jeopardizing uh, national security. They're not saying that to Kevin McCarthy, but they're saying it to the 20 people who won't push him over the threshold. And to me, that is the real problem, is exposing that you got people in power the basically the super the, the, the ruling class of rich people so you got them in power and it's like hey no if we can't have our way the kevin is our man and we're gonna put him in there and we're gonna make it we're gonna twist your arm until you agree i was looking at c-span 
And everybody was coming on there talking about these 20 people, these 20 people. Nobody said, well, Kevin McCarthy didn't get 218 votes. Why can't he follow the rules? Uh, and, and that's the way I see it. And there's a lot of lot of good good points in that. And I agree with you, but I think there's also some other sides to look at as well, which is that, of course, one of the problems they would have is that if it's not McCarthy, and, and heaven knows, I think he's just not worth anything as a human being, not much less as a, a speaker. But if he is the closest thing they have to getting the 218, what a free-for-all it would be with that if they just opened it up to anybody. Because like I said, you seem like every time they, they have a vote, they introduce somebody else's name into the mix and say you'd have all that nonsense. But I agree with you that it's about how the ruling chaos, as you called it, like to have their way to the extent that they've decided that this is how stuff's supposed to work, even if they don't acknowledge that maybe that's not how it should work anymore because this is what the Constitution put in some 200 years ago. And 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 now it's proven that, hey, it's not working, just like there are a whole lot of other parts of the Constitution. And like L.A. Mistal said, you know, Constitution is trash for how it actually was designed when it was put into effect by a bunch of racist plantation enslavement owners. And now they're trying to apply it to a situation that they could never have imagined, even the numbers. And so the other thing that I get out of this is that at the same time, you're also seeing what extortion can look like because you have that 20 who are basically saying like, you know, we're not unwilling to vote for Kevin McCarthy in total. We're just saying that we want you to meet our ransom demands before we will actually give you the votes. And so that's another problem in it. And even more than that, for us as a black community, what I see, and it bothers me to know, because we've talked about it on a number of occasions, is how we saw uh, the seven Asian members of Congress to say that they would hold up all progress until they got an anti-Asian hate crime bill passed. And now we've got 20 Republicans who have holed up and said that until they get their demands meet, they're not going to even let the Speaker of the House get in, which means no work gets done. And yet we say over and over again, there are some 50-plus members of the Congressional Black Caucus who have yet to ever exercise any of the same kind of clout. And as I've always said, 50 is more than seven. It is certainly also more than 20. And so it just is ridiculous that we don't have the ability to marshal the forces that we have to even get just some of the, the basic things. You know, it's, it's interesting to me that you have this 20 who I'm sure they're looking for the most kind of extreme stuff, which is why you haven't had McCarthy and company capitulate to them yet. And they probably will end up doing so. But just think about the things that the black members of the, the caucus should be asking for. Things like uh, voting rights being secured, things like a study for reparations, things like better health care and better education funding for HBCUs, things like that, which are just not only good common sense, but they're just the right thing to do. And we can't get our members of the Black Caucus to put themselves in the place of saying, well, we have even more power than seven Asians or 20 Republicans.
Right, right. That, like you said, that's been a continuous theme of ours uh, in terms of where, where, where are the Black Caucus members? Where are they? What are they doing? Uh, you know, the only somebody that you really see, you see the squad, you see Hakeem Jeffries, and you see him because he was bulking to get uh, become the minority leader in the House, which is, you know, for, and, which is what he got. But other than that, uh, you don't hear anything from the Black Caucus. It's like they just go along to get along uh, with because they're afraid that, well, hey, they're going to take all the clout and the power that I, I've accumulated that I've over the years. And that, that's what it looks like to me. But what what I was talking about also is the fact that when you look at what's going on in the House uh, and, and, and the point that somebody made out, made that, you know, you got three people in Congress and three people in in the Senate who are actually in leadership, the top three leadership position in each each chamber, they're the ones who actually write all the bills, have all their people write the bills, and then they just tell everybody else an hour or two before it's time, hey, you need to sign this bill. And and folks don't even know what's in it. And they're saying, wait a minute, hey, we got to stop this nonsense. Like the last bill they just passed, somebody said something like there were like a thousand different pet projects put into that bill. None of those pet projects are going to help the black community or anybody in the black community. I don't know if any of those uh, 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 pet projects that they put into those bills has ever done anything for the black community. So I'm, I'm kind of, I, I don't support uh, that mega group and that Tea Party group, but some of the things that they're saying now, uh, people need to take notice. Uh, it's time out. We need to change. We can't continue to allow the ruling class to continue to rule the way that they and, and, and at the expense of other people. You know, uh, basically the decisions that they're making are having have negative impact on our communities. Yeah. And the other thing that sort of caught my attention as the year ended, you know, when they start talking about uh, the issues that affect the country is something that you've mentioned a couple of times on the immigration thing. And so um, while we look at it, uh, I think slightly differently, the thing that continues to bother me is how they can try to make it about the Latinx group becoming the largest minority in this country, surpassing the African-American black minorities. And the, the reason why it continues to bother me is because there isn't a ethnic group that you can actually say is Latinx. And what I mean by that is that they don't have a common heritage. And so why they continue to say that they are a, a minority, including now saying the largest minority, when all they share is a common language. Because we know that the people who are from South America and from Mexico and Central America are those individuals who were the real indigenous people of this continent. While there's another group who's who brought their language and 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 their ethnic group from Europe, and they basically settled in places like Cuba and and some of the other 
other countries of the the middle americas but they don't have a common ancestry and so the fact that they are lumping them all together and i think that those people who especially the ones who are the indigenous people they need to realize that they're not counting them in it and they certainly aren't counting the blacks who are the descendants of the enslaved who also speak spanish as a part of that group until it needs to count for them where they can say that, you know, they are the second largest minority. And of course, in my mind, the only reason they're saying that is because they want them to displace us as the second largest minority, because they recognize that we have that voting clout that they want to undermine. And this is just one more reason why I believe the Democrats need to be standing for us as a group and stop letting that other part process because what we're seeing amongst that Latinx group is they are just as prone to vote Republican as they are for the Democrats. I mean, right now, I think it's like a 60-40 split, which is certainly not what there is amongst the African-American community. And so that's why that bothers me when I keep hearing about these issues around immigration and them calling these folks because they only talk about it when it comes to those folks who are coming from the indigenous countries uh, south of our border. You know, uh, when when you come to immigration, you know, it, it's just hypocritical. It's hypocritical what the Democrats are doing and it's hypocritical what the Republicans are doing. Uh, the Democrats are viewing immigration totally wrong. Like you mentioned, Rod, uh, Mexican, Hispanic, the Hispanic group uh, is not a homogeneous voting group. You know, they're more just as likely to vote Republican because partly because of abortion, you know, they're Catholic than they are Democrat. And the Democrats are looking at this as, oh, we're going to have a group of people who are more inclined to vote for us, which is not true. You got to sit. So you're, you're bending over backwards to give these people all kind of carrots and you got a group that vote vote for you, something like 90, 95% of the population, and they can't get crumbs. Uh, in terms of the border, now, to me, this is not a very complicated issue. They try to say it's complicated, but it's not. You got rules. You got laws. If you break into the, uh, somebody's country, I want to see some of these same people in Congress and in the Senate just go and try to break into some other country country, and start demanding stuff. All they have to do, if you get in this, if you come into this country illegally, you go to jail. You go to prison because you broke our laws until we determine what to do about you. And we should do that to everybody. I don't care if you're sending your kids or whatever. There, it's illegal because you're doing it to black kids in high school. In, in, in middle school, in elementary school, you're locking them up for nonsense. These people are breaking the law and they're giving a pass. And lock some of them up like you're locking white people up for simple marijuana use, for, for you know, just petty crimes. They're going to prison for petty crimes. Here, these people have a major violation and it's just not Hispanic. You know, let, let's face it. There are other groups of people there uh, that's coming to this country, Indians, Chinese, Asians coming through say, the southern border, but you're not locking any of those people up. If you lock some of those people up, 
I think the trajectory of what's happening on the border would change. If you've changed your laws to say that, hey, if you come over here pregnant and have a baby, your baby is illegal. We're going to lock both of y'all up. If they do that, uh, because you're incentivizing people to come over here and have their baby, because they is all I need to do is just make it into the state and have my baby. My baby is a citizen. Therefore, I'm going to become a citizen. But if they stop that nonsense, because if you if you're here illegal, it doesn't matter whether you're pregnant or not. If you're here illegally, your baby once you your baby is here illegally. Because to me, that's just that simple. If you do those two things, and then if you start with the, the in terms of employment, if you got these people keep hiring uh, folks who are not here illegally, then they need to be penalized harshly. You know, if you get caught doing that the second time, we're going to take your company from you. But they don't want to do that because it's the ruling class. They are the ones who are benefiting from low weight, keeping the low weight, the wages down by allowing folks to come over, these immigrants to come over here illegally. Well, I guess, like I said, and I said, you know, we're going a little extra because, like I said, that we, we don't really agree on that entirely because, you know, my position on it is that the truth of the matter is those are the indigenous people who this was their land before it was our country. And yeah, but see, I'm not talking is, about that. I, I know, but I'm just saying, like I said, you know, it, it to me, it's different when you allow uh, the folks who are like, you know, the Europeans who come in illegally, right. but I don't. I don't think that, you know, we can, you know, especially when we have allowed ourselves to support Israelis going back into Israel and retaking that country. I'm not saying we should allow these people to retake this country, but I'm saying that I do believe that they have an ancestral claim to be here. And that to me, there should be more about saying, well, let's make sure that there's a pathway for them to be right. here. And so that's 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 just where I come down on that that whole process because yeah. I think there's yeah. a difference when you look at them versus when we look at like folks who come from Europe and and other countries and and they come in illegal and there's no penalty for them either. Yeah, but that's that's my point. Uh, it's not that's what I preface that by saying I'm not just talking about Hispanics uh, because you have China, you have a lot of different groups of folks coming through the southern border uh, to come in here illegally. And, and I agree with you. Yeah, these people have an ancestral right, but there's still there's still got to be a process. You can't just just like we have an ancestral right uh, in Africa, but we can't just go back to Africa and say, hey, you know, I'm take uh, my ancestors came from here. I'm taking over whatever whatever uh, area. Uh, that got to be a way to do it, uh, a process to do it. To me, starting out by there got to be a deterrent. If you're not going to follow the legal process to do it then there got to be consequences for that. We can't just let you come over here anyway. Uh, that that was my point that, uh, about immigration, that there is not as complicated as people trying to make it seem. Appear. No, no, I just think, like I said, there needs to be an exception made for those though, who are the descendants of the indigenous folks. So that's our opinion on it, and that's our show as we get started in our Black Business Spotlight Starting out from a home basement office in 2001, AGB Investigative Services, a security firm founded by John and Denitra Griffin, just recently opened the doors of their new headquarters worth $2.5 million. It's conveniently located in the predominantly Black neighborhood of Auburn-Gresham in Chicago. They have over 600 security professionals who provide armed and unarmed security services, cybersecurity, private investigations, and expert-level training. 
Auburn Gresham is a community in Chicago with a 90% black population that may be low income, but it still houses hardworking families who have owned their homes for generations. And AGB, which also stands for Always Giving Back, has been true to its name. The Griffins give back through the Always Giving Back Foundation over the years and having provided more than $45,000 in scholarships. And they give business internship opportunities to hundreds of local youth. So for more information about AGB Investigative Service, visit agbinvestigative.com. That's a wrap for this first show of the year. And as always, God willing, we'll continue to keep our focus on the issues that impact our community on the path to a better future. Don't forget, you can follow and communicate with us, sending your comments, questions, and show ideas with Brothers Talk on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or email us to brotherstalk at gmail.com. Till the next time, we have to let you know that we sincerely appreciate your time and interest, and you can rest assured that we'll never take it or you for granted. And family, remember, let's do better today because that's all we really have.